I'm pretty sure a couple of episodes ago we had a conversation about whether there will be a new Nintendo Switch this year. And I mm. believe that um, there was like a sliding scale between the three of us, I think, of whether there would and when it would occur. And what do we say? My memory puts it, uh, I said it's definitely going to happen. Federico wasn't sure and Shahid said he, they, he thought they wouldn't do it. That was, okay. That's what my memory says. I and, think you're about right. And, yeah. and, you know, it wasn't a case of like, and, and I understood what Shahid was saying at the time. And I think we came to the agreement of like, w- they clearly don't need to. I think it's when we were talking oh, about yes. their huge sales, right? Where it's like, yep. you don't have to, but it looks like they might. So there is a Bloomberg report uh, a couple of weeks ago talking about the fact that Nintendo has ordered a bunch of displays and that this would, mm. uh, from Samsung, some OLED panels, and that would seem to indicate that a new Nintendo Switch is on the way. And they had a bunch of other little details. Um, but it, I think at this point, it seems like it's definitely going to happen. And I think what I th- would assume here is, I'm sure that they've probably thought to themselves, they likely don't have to do this, <laughs> but they mm-hmm. maybe were too far in the process, right? Like maybe Nintendo are committed to a new Switch, to be launched within this time frame, and they're just going for it, and maybe, and there's, I'm sure there'll be some other reasons why they'd want to do it. But I think the point that we were talking about uh, some episodes ago stands in this like sense of like they clearly don't have to, right? Like I, nobody is like it's, it does not appear that there are enough people who are like, oh, I'll just wait for the next one, right? You know, like in the way that I'm sure that PlayStation and Xbox sales start to decline at a certain point because you hit your addressable market and then you maybe get less uh, just random kind of like impulse buys because people are waiting for the next one. Uh, where that just seems to have never happened for the Switch. Mm-hmm. It's just like, in, if no. anything, it's increasing still over time. But at a certain point, you know, if you make enough commitments or you have a roadmap, you got to go with it and it seems like that's what they're doing so the OLED screens that they're getting from Samsung I think they're called rigid OLED screens and it's actually typically not what people go for now when building devices but because of the way that the Nintendo Switch is built uh, they don't need to make anything they don't need to make it anything more special than that they can be pretty basic on the screen and still get some good results so it'll be a 7 inch screen so it'll be a little bit bigger um, at 720p, and this will overall improve battery life. Um, and just on the 720p point, I'll just say that the console apparently is targeted to, to achieve 4K when docked to the TV. So I wanted to just get, I mean, there's been obviously, as you can imagine, as you can imagine, the gamers are rising up um, over 720p. Mm, people, okay. people just are like, oh, you know, that's such low resolution and all that kind of stuff. Um, personally, I kind of are on the side of that is perfectly fine, in my opinion, for a seven inch screen. If I get better battery life, like that's would be my desire would be for battery life over resolution. And I believe I saw that that 720p would allow them to achieve higher frame rates as well. So I think that the balance for me is there. But what do you two think? All right. So, um, I saw uh, some tweets about this uh, a few days ago, and then I also I was also listening to an episode of uh, another excellent video game podcast called Triple Click, and um, so the, the tweet that I saw I don't remember the the author, but was basically saying this all this controversy among some gamer uh, circles about seven seven twenty p is kind of ridiculous 
because when you consider the portable mode of the Switch, right, um, the, 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 the usual distance that there is between your eyes and the console in portable mode, anything higher than 720p will probably be useless. Like you can try to hit 1080p or you could even like some people were saying, oh, I cannot believe they are not doing 1440p with the Switch Pro in portable mode. But basically the, arg the argument was when you're holding the console uh, a certain, you know, uh, a certain distance from your face, you don't need to go higher than that. So it's probably best if you try and keep it relatively low and try to achieve great performance and great battery life. And the other point that some, that I believe uh, Maddie uh, mentioned on on Triple Click was the PS Vita, and now Shahid can correct me here, uh, was not even 720p. I believe it was something like 960 uh, by 544 something. So it wasn't 720p. It was lower than that, and it was OLED. And it looked absolutely incredible. That display on the Vita was gorgeous, and games were looking fantastic. Now, we're here we're talking something with a higher resolution than the Vita, with a more modern OLED screen, I think it's going to look gorgeous. And uh, I think w this will be a non-issue. And because of this choice, we will get great battery life, great performance. We don't need to have anything higher than that. Yeah, I don't think we need anything higher than the existing Switch. I mean, you know my position on this. <laughs> I'm very happy with the existing it's a radical approach. <laughs> well, doesn't believe well, the thing it. Is, the, the, the thing is, if it was my business, right... If I was running Nintendo, the only reason I would go down this route is if it was becoming increasingly expensive to keep creating the Switch. Because in the old days, if you remember, um, not that long ago, but you know, when console cycles tended to last a bit longer, the price did get driven down for a while, but then eventually the components got old so quick that the prices then started to go back up again. And all of these factories didn't want to be occupied making old chips. Yeah. So you've got more and more factories creating the newer stuff. It becomes, you know, you've got scale efficiency. And so it becomes just as cheap, sometimes cheaper to create the new stuff than it did to create the old stuff. If you're going to keep backwards compatibility, then it makes complete sense for Nintendo to be doing this. If you're not keeping backwards compatibility, I would argue it's, uh, an odd move to be killing the thing that's making you so much. And I don't think they will. I don't even think it's a question because it's like, it's no. the next switch, right? Yeah. And they'll keep the existing one in the market. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if like going on from what you were saying, it has gotten to the point where either the chip inside of it or the display is so old and only for Nintendo that either Nvidia or I don't know if Samsung, I don't know who was pr producing the previous displays, if it's a case of, I don't think it was Samsung actually, because the, the the Bloomberg report seems to write like that that Samsung display will be super excited to work with Nintendo on this, like it's a big boon for them. Um, but it, I would assume that one of those major components is, as you're saying, Shahid, it's actually becoming more expensive to continue making that than to to move on. And it might be something like Samsung want to give them a good deal because this type of display is so infrequently used now that they want to sell it to someone, 
right? And yeah, if they're going to yeah. keep it going. And so Nintendo are walking in and being like, that is perfect for us. Apparently as well, it's going to be going um, into mass production in June. Now, mm. I think, I mean, I'm, I, I believe this is why we got to this the last time around. I think that this is all tying in with Breath of the Wild 2. Okay. Those two okay. things hand in hand together. Because okay. that it makes so much sense to me to just just do it again. It was so successful the first time around. Just do it again. Because obviously there will be some game, right? That they package it. Not package package, sure. not quote unquote package it with, you know, where they're like, hey, here's the new switch and there's this new game and it runs so great in 4K. And wouldn't it be so perfect to be like, you remember how beautiful that world is, Breath of the Wild? Well, here's the new one. It now runs in 4K. 60 frames per second or whatever, right? Maybe, I don't know. Do you reckon they'll go higher than 60 frames per second? I don't think they will. They don't need to. Probably not, right? That's not Nintendo's game. But just imagine that, right? They're like 4K, 60 frames per second, the world of Hyrule. You know, it's like, hey, go for it. Because they're going to need some kind of advantage like that. Because again, we know Nintendo. That game will also be available on Switch 1 or whatever. So there needs to be a tangible reason. And I think that we need a game which is visually appealing to mm. sell 4K, which is difficult for Nintendo because everything you think about when you think about 4K is not what Nintendo makes, which is like realistic. So mm. you know what I mean? Like I can't imagine many Nintendo, like like typical Nintendo games looking that much better in 4K than they do in 1080. Like really? Maybe they'll just be a bit more, I don't know, like crisp, but anyway. So I, I could imagine them them packaging it together. I mean, I reckon, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we hear about this during what would be E3 time is when they announce it. Okay, so I'm going to have another theory for you. Uh huh. What if there's no Breath of the Wild 2 this year? And what if the message is, uh, this is a new updated version of the Switch? And rather than have Breath of the Wild 2 to go along with it, they just say, and now you can get all of our, like, our most important games, they are getting 4K upgrades with some new content. So like Mario, Mario Odyssey, you get it in 4K and there's a DLC. Um, what else? Like, I don't know, Animal Crossing, 4K. I mean, it's going to be useless to have 4K Animal Crossing. Mario but you get the Kart. point, like... 4K60. 4K60. And some new characters. Like, what if the approach is this is not a Switch 2. This is a uh, like a like a Switch Pro, like a Switch XL, call it whatever you want, like a Switch Deluxe, whatever. Um, and you can get 4K versions with extra content of our existing games. Because Breath of the Wild 2 is not ready. I don't know. I just kind of have a feeling that. The last direct, they just said, "Yeah, development of Breath of, of the sequel of Breath of the Wild is going well. We'll have some more news at some point in 2021." Uh, I don't know. Like, I want to believe what you're saying. I just feel like I could see Nintendo also taking that kind of road. I 100% am on board with that too, because I just think I want it to happen, right? So more, yeah. so I, I tell these stories to myself. 
in the hope that <laughs> the no, we can try to rationalize what you yeah. want to be true. Yes. But there will be something, right? As whether, whether it is a new game, which is good for it, or they do something where they go back and do uh, these kinds of updates. So really, this on the set, on the face of it, this is not a very um, large revision. But again, it doesn't you wouldn't really expect it uh, because it seems like all the rumors are just pointing to bit beefier, nicer screen. But I wanted to talk about maybe some other things that we might want from a new Switch. Mm. I have like a small list of things, and if you guys want to chip in with any of them, one would be Bluetooth headphone support. Absolutely. Yes. I I use one of those stupid dongles mm -hmm. that you got to plug into the audio jack, and it it's it's like literally like hanging off your switch. <laughs> you have this yeah. thing that allows you to connect wireless headphones. It's so silly. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Like, are they just not using a good enough Bluetooth chip? Like, I don't know what the reason is because it has Bluetooth in it, right? <laughs> like, right. there is Bluetooth in the system, but you can't use headphones. So I, I, you know, I hope that they do something along there. Um, very simple ones, just like just make that kickstand better. It's the only for me like real failure in the hardware of the original Switch. It's just like that kickstand is just terrible. It's just terrible, right? Yeah. Like, uh, so much so that I almost forget about it because I would never use it because it's so bad. And like anyone that wanted to use the kickstand ended up buying some kind of third party stand, I think. Right, like I had a couple of them. It, my favorite one being like a little case that had a little stand in it. Um, from the from a design perspective, I know some things that I would want, but I don't think that they would do them. Like the main thing for me is I want the the a new switch to be significantly lighter. Mm, yes, yeah. Personally, like the, at the very top of my list is I would love to I would love for it to have a more modern design with like an edge to edge display. Yeah, if possible. less less um kind of you know, less toy, right? Like it's yeah. And like I know more, that's Nintendo's thing, but like it's yeah. it does look a bit old sometimes. It's it, I mean it it's part of its appeal uh -huh. is that it's so friendly and inviting. It it looks like a toy because that's what Nintendo does, but at the same time. Like I look at the uh, my old PS Vita, right, and that kind of modern, sexy hardware. Like imagining a Switch like that, it would be pretty neat. Uh, but also part of the whole thing is it's colorful, and you can keep giving Nintendo money by purchasing the extra Joy Cons with the limited time releases. Now they just announced yesterday, I think, like a Fortnite set of Joy Cons. Oh, did they? I didn't see that. Take that time, like. <laughs> <laughs> I guess yeah, there is a weird. new there's a new season, but still, yeah, like it's, it's just it's like I don't know, I don't. Know, but they do this all the time, right? And so yeah. I believe with Skyward Sword, uh, which is coming the HD uh, version coming to coming to Switch this summer, I think they're gonna do more Joy Cons again and another Pro controller. So like part of the, its whole appeal is that it's not that kind of Apple like industrial design. Mm -hmm. It's more of a of a toy-like approach where you can detach the Joy-Cons and you can swap in the parts that you prefer. So, like, yeah. Oh, like, these Fortnite ones, are they're, they're actually really good. They put a little the, face on it. That's very yeah. clever. That's very clever. Yeah. I didn't even see that. Yeah, I mean, stuff like the Joy-Con, like, there's not going to be significant changes there, I don't think. Like, So I assume, like, the thickness of the thing is still going to be relatively mm -hmm. similar because I can't imagine they're going to want people to 
like have to buy all that again. Like you're in the ecosystem now. There's a lot of accessories. So let me ask you both a question. Um, the Switch is now what? Four years old? Oh my God, no way, really? Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. We started playing Breath of the Wild. Actually, the anniversary was like a week ago or something. Yeah, I, I knew there was an anniversary, but I, I didn't yeah. remember how many years it was. Yeah, let's not talk about that. Um, but my question is, you know, after the initial hype and the novelty effect, uh, do you use the Joy-Cons in like portable mode at all? We're just holding one Joy-Con per hand? We do in our household. You do? Interesting. Yeah, yeah but we much prefer the Pro Controller simply okay. because of the drift issue. And we've bought right. three sets now mm. of Joy-Cons. Ooh, they've okay. all had the... And that's a lot of money. And they've all had drift and it gets really tiresome. It messes up many of the games. So um, my son definitely prefers to have the independent Joy-Cons, one in each hand, whether he's playing in um, stand mode. And when I say stand mode, I mean he uses a pillow to prop it up and the stand <laughs> doesn't do anything because the stand's useless, as you say, Mike. Um, or it's, you know, it's docked into the telly and, um, and then he gets frustrated mm. and then he'll use a pro controller. And I don't even bother with the, um, with the joy cons now because they aggravate me so much. I will just use the pro controller. I will not play if I have to use a joy cons cause I know I'll suffer from the drift issues and I don't know how he does it. I mean, he manages to get the hang of it and I guess, you know, I'm just getting old, right? I can't handle the drift anymore. Mm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, three sets. Are they going to fix that? I don't think so. I think no. they're just going to carry on until that whole class action lawsuit thing gets sorted out. They have some kind of recall. Well, it's not a recall. They have some kind of program where you can send them the Joy-Con and they're going to send it back to you. I've heard about this. Yeah, but at that point, you're still like, if you want to keep playing with your console, you're still going to have to purchase an additional controller <laughs> because otherwise <laughs> you're just left with the screen. <laughs> and we've got four sets. We've got like three, uh, three Joy-Con pairs and we have the Pro Controller. Um, I say three Joy-Con pairs. One of them is, um, yeah, one of them's completely broken now. We just mm. don't bother using that one at all. So mm -mm. that's the thing I would really like them to address, but I don't think they will. I don't think it makes any sense for them. I never no. use Joy-Con. I just use I was about no. to say, I don't, I don't think Mike uses yeah, the Joy-Con. We're only pro controllers in the early house. Right. I mean, it like, makes sense for you. Because it's always docked. Like, I, I mean, I treat okay. the Switch as a docked system. Like, what I like about the Switch is that I am able to take it to places, right? And I can play it in other places. But even then, I would still play, I would still just have a pro controller as well. And I, so I like that it has that portability. It isn't a handheld system for me, ultimately, because that's just, it's just not super comfortable for me to play it that way. Mm -hmm. It's just an unfortunate thing. But I still love that it's a home console that I can take to other places. Like that, okay. that has still remained for me as, as a good thing, even though I don't play it in handheld. I can still benefit mm -hmm. from that. So I either I either play with a with a pro controller when it's docked or in portable mode, but it's like as as a large Game Boy basically. Like I never detach the Joy Cons from it. Mm. Always holding it as a portable console in my hands. Yeah, my eyes are not good enough for that anymore, sadly. Otherwise, that would be my <laughs> preferred way of playing it. Perhaps with the seven inch screen, I might have a chance. You know, mm. uh, that would be another reason to stick with the seven twenty p. I guess I like to be able to see the pixels. It shows me that my eyes still work. Yeah. <laughs> um, so on the on 
while we're talking about things we would like to see, um, so something that I would like Nintendo to figure out is uh, when assuming, you know, when, when vaccinations start rolling out and we can go out again and visit friends again and to have a Switch as a portable console make sense again, I would like him to figure out an easier, like a proper way to take your Switch to your to a friend's house and connect it to their television without having to take a Nintendo Switch dock with you. Mm. So like maybe like a like a special HDMI cable or something, but just can you figure out a way for me to go to a friend's house and say, hey, let's play with my Nintendo Switch, but I don't have to carry that plastic dock and the power adapter with me all the time. Like, is there an easier, more portable way for me to go to somebody else's play place and connect my Nintendo Switch? So that would be nice. Um, for example, I was one of those people who uh, I followed an online tutorial to turn my Nintendo Switch dock into a much, much, much smaller plasticky thing. <laughs> Uh, so you you so basically what you do is you buy you you purchase this uh, like this do it yourself set on Amazon, oh, and you you <laughs> you disassemble the Nintendo Switch dock. Like it took Sylvia and me like a, an entire evening to do this, like four hours. You got like this special screwdriver, <laughs> and you need to open. You need to pry the Nintendo Switch dock open, and you need to take out because. It's not just a. It's not just like a USB-C and HDMI like shell. There's an actual chip inside, mm -hmm. which is the power controller and the HDMI controller. So you need to take out that. It's like a system on a chip thing. You need to take that out and put it into this uh, smaller shell that you can buy on Amazon. And so now we have this much more compact. Nintendo Switch dock that it's easier to throw in a bag or something. So we, when we go back to the Turbo for like the holidays and we want to play a Nintendo Switch game with other people, we get, we take that dock instead. I mean, they so should just make a small little adapter. For, like I can't they imagine they're ever going to put that into the Switch because like it doesn't just make an adapter them, but, or like hmm. a, a portable, like a really portable dock mm -hmm. for like I can go to a friend's house anyway. So that's my wish. And the other thing on, on the controller, what I would like them to do is to bring back, and I and I get it why they why they didn't do it initially, a proper D-pad, a pro like a real directional pad on the left side mm. of the on the on the left Joy-Con. Now I get it. They didn't do it because they, you know, the idea was that you can use the Joy-Con in horizontal orientation. And so the D, the quote-unquote fake D-pad becomes like a set of buttons, right? When you're holding the Joy-Con. But I still want a D-pad, though. <laughs> I still want to use a proper D-pad. I purchased one of those um, third-party Hori, I think it's called, yep. the Hori Joy-Con, because it's got a, a real D-pad in it. Um, so they can do like a... A Joy-Con with a D-pad, that would be nice. And uh, I can't think of anything else, honestly. Like, just give me the thing and give me Metroid Prime Trilogy 4K. <laughs> you, you're, you're wish casting even more than I am at this point. I mean, come on. I'd just like to be able to move my games from one Switch to another. Oh, they're going to have to fix that. Right? Yeah, the, yeah. Um, my understanding is... I think I heard somebody say about this. Like They introduced a transfer system at some point. 
um, relatively recently, or maybe it was just with some games, but uh, that seemed to have worked a bit better. So I don't know. But they, they, do you remember the um, the 3DS transfer? Oh my god, yes. We we did an episode about it. Yeah, I don't remember which show it was. Uh, it was which of uh, our many shows? Directional. Okay, I'll see if I can find it. But you had to, there was like this just bananas thing you had to do. You had to like take the thing apart and it was like the official way yes. to do the transfer. Yeah. Because uh, they're yeah. going to have to work out something if... Um, if there's going to be a some some kind of like new console, right? They're gonna, you're gonna they're gonna have to work something out. I don't know what though. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just I really hope that obviously Bloomberg is right, mm -hmm. and I assume if production is starting in June, I assume it's coming out. Well, I could see this coming out in the summer, but I mean it's definitely gonna be in time for Black Friday and and the holidays. So I got to ask you guys, mm -hmm. if this thing comes out this year mm. and no new games are announced, mm. but they but they announced a couple of um, 4K upgrades, yeah, some DLC, will you be buying one? Uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm going to complain about it, but at the end of the day, I, I, you know, I'm that kind of person. Yeah. And how much do you think it should be? Ah, that's a good question. Uh, so what's the current price of the Nintendo Switch? 250? Uh, it's still around 300, isn't it? I think it's closer to 300. Okay. Uh, well, it depends if the Three, old yeah, Switch... Yeah, $300. Like if you just get just the system, like nothing else is $300. Okay. So... If the old model, because I could see it go a couple of ways. Uh, so this is the like the new, the the four K switch is the new base model switch. Mm -hmm. It's not something on the side. Uh, in that case, they should probably try and keep the original price. Yes, they could also go the Apple way, uh, sort of, and say something like, "Okay, the base, the old, like the current Nintendo Switch, we're dropping the price on that." To 199 would be killer. Well, that's uh, the same price as the light, then. Mm, okay, so, so maybe this like, is assuming because remember what we talk about. This is like assuming that they actually can keep them around, right? Assuming that they can, assuming that they can, they might just be able to sell off old stock. I could imagine going 200 for the light, 250 for the old one, and just 300 for the new one. It just it just yes. takes the place. Yeah, yeah. Or the existing one just goes away. And you got the you either go yeah. with the Switch Lite or the new base the, like the new default Nintendo Switch is the upgraded OLED 4K one. I I don't think they will increase the price. I, I think they'll probably just like the current one will be two fifty while stocks last kind of thing, and then the new ones at three hundred. I I don't think it would make sense for them to price the newer version higher than the current version. Because I mean, it's a four-year-old console, right? Like it's. I would feel that this is a replacement. It's not an upgrade, right? Like you know what I mean. Like they're not. It's not like uh, if they would have released a what we've referred to as a Switch Pro two years ago, right? That's like oh, okay, you got the current one, and you can upgrade to the more powerful one. Like no, this is just. I mean, they're kind of just meeting basic table stakes with this new console in theory, right? So it should just be, I think, the current 
Nintendo Switch and takes the pricing. Do you have a different opinion, Shahid? No, no, not at all. They're going to run down the stocks of the existing one. Retail will know what's going on. Uh, retail will be able to run their own offers. Retail will want to stock the new one anyway. That's where they'll be um, making their margin. They'll be happy because they'll have a new device to sell with a market that's all been vaccinated. You know, yeah. so it'll be a good way of getting people back into the shops. But yeah, they'll just run the old stock down because the whole point of the new thing is surely that it's become more economical to do this anyway. Let me ask you a different um, question. What if they call this the Nintendo Switch 2? You know they're going to have some just stupid name, right? <laughs> right? Like, I just no, realized But what if they thing. say, it's been four years, this is the Nintendo Switch 2? That's what they should do, but they'll call it, like, Switch X, or, like, it, it, they just, it's not going to make any sense, right? They'll put, they'll put like, an extra I switch, in Switch or switch something. Switch I, the Nintendo Switch I. No, they'll put the I in the middle, so it won't even make any sense. It's like the Switch. Like, you know they're going to the do switch? something stupid. <laughs> Like, you know, it's, look, we spoke about this before. The, clearly, the Nintendo Switch launch went really well. So we just assumed that maybe the American marketing team had a bit more of a hand in it because it seemed to land very well. And it is, it's, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, we, all right, we're going back to HQ now, so we're going to put a U on the end of it. Like, oh, all right, then fine. Switch U. <laughs> no, not again. <laughs> All right, this episode is brought to you by Impending, who are hiring. Impending are a small team shipping apps straight into pop culture, like the top game five years in a row, Heads Up, which you have surely played on your iPhone. This is where you try to guess the word by holding the phone on your forehead with clues from your friends. Heads Up has been played billions of times around the world and generated a lot of laughter. And it's developed by a team of just four at Impending, but they're looking for one more. They're looking to grow their team by hiring a new engineer. Could that be you? It is a full-time salary position with a solid work-life balance and flexible vacation. It's also remote-friendly. Go to impending.com slash hiring for more info. That's impending.com slash hiring right now to learn more about this remote-friendly engineering opportunity at Impending. One last time, that is impending.com slash hiring, or you can find the link in the show notes. So thanks to Impending for their support of this show and Relay FM. Federico, what have you been playing? Well... <laughs> I can give you the short answer or I can give you the longer answer, which includes a bit of a surprise of something I've done. Short answer, so, please. Okay. The, so, <laughs> no, I don't want the short answer. I'm kidding. The short answer is I've been spending most of my time playing Final Fantasy VII Remake on PS5 mm -hmm. um, and Bowser's Fury on, on the Nintendo Switch. But more, I'm a, I've, been, I've really been uh, getting into Final Fantasy VII Remake lately, but I want to get into that in a minute. Um, so let me see how I can do this. I have a picture that I am going to upload, I guess, to okay. our Slack. Okay. Uh, well, I told John Voorhees about this a few minutes ago. He's the only person who knows, in addition to, I guess, Sylvia, who lives with me. So okay. here's the, I've done something, guys. And uh, there you go. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you bought this is a Xbox Series X. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> I got a Series X. Oh, uh, dear. Okay, so um, I <laughs> I mentioned many times on the show how much I was enjoying the Xbox, playing on the Series S. Um, had a great time and everything, but a couple of things have been uh, annoying me lately and sort of led to this decision eventually. So I was starting to get annoyed at a bunch of technical limitations in some games. Uh, the fact that uh, a lot of games um, that were backwards compatible with Xbox, they were not getting the full uh, treatment in terms of native 4K resolution and 60 frames per second. Um, a lot of games... and. Uh, the situation is very complicated. We talked about it in the backwards compatibility episode. But essentially, the Series X is the only Xbox that can take... For example, if you're talking about an Xbox One X game from the previous generation, the Series X is the only one that can emulate that game at 4K60. Whereas with the Series S, you're limited to sometimes six, uh, 1440p and 60 frames, most of the times, uh, 1440p and 30 frames. So the technical limitations between the two were starting to annoy me. Let me ask you about that, about the technical limitations. Yeah. Was the experience of playing annoying you, or was the overhead of having to think about the choices annoying you? It, it was both of them. Okay. Uh, so um, personally, just the thought of... It's just FOMO, wasn't it? Face it. Yes, the thought of not having the best possible version yeah. drives me crazy. That would drive me nuts too. And I've been thinking about it myself. This is true in all the kind of electronics that I use. Uh, the thought of, yeah, it's fine, but I know there's something better out there. And I just, I made a decision not to get it. Hmm. It started to annoy me. But then I was also playing the, um, one example is there's this game coming out on April 1st, uh, called Outriders, which is a really fascinating um, combination of a third-person shooter, but it's also a role-playing game. So it's a shooter with RPG elements, and it's published by Square Enix. And it's coming out on PC and, cons and consoles on April 1st, on April 1st, but it's also going to be on Game Pass on day one. And so I've been playing the, the demo of that game, and on the Series S it really suffers in terms of performance, especially when, when like you're sprinting uh, to run with your character. The frame rate drops. <laughs> like You can actually tell that it's not even hitting 30 frames per second, I think. And I was playing that game and I searched for, like, is this only happening to me or is it like a common experience with other people? And yes, it was also happening to other people. And then I was watching, for example, now that uh, Microsoft officially owns uh, Bethesda, uh, the acquisition was approved, and they put a bunch of old Bethesda games on Game Pass a few days ago. And among, among those games, there's one that I've been meaning to check out for a while, which is Prey. Prey came out a few years ago, uh, I believe in 2013. And it was like, I remember at the time, or was it 2017? I don't remember. Yeah, I'm Probably sure it was later than... 2017, yeah. 2017, yeah. four years ago. Um, and at the time, it was a great game on PC, but it was pretty terrible on console because of performance issues. Uh, it got better over time. They released a bunch of like PS4 Pro 
an Xbox One and uh, One X enhancements, but they were never really up to the same standards as on PC. And now that it's on Game Pass, uh, I was watching a Digital Foundry analysis, and on the Series X, the game hits a uh, 4K 60 uh, threshold, and it keeps those 60 frames locked in, and it's native 4K resolution, and it looks incredible. And once again, that only happens on the Series X. And so the more and like the more I st- I was doing my research around, you know, what is the best possible version of this game? And then I started seeing for myself those limitations in a, in a new game coming out, you know, for the current generation of consoles. I started thinking, you know, if I if I'm liking this console so much, if I'm playing more than I actually expected what's stopping me from moving to the Series X and selling the Series S? And so that's what I did. I I got a Series X and uh, it arrived today just in time for the show. I was able to play some Outriders on the Series X. Works much better than the Series S. But unfortunately, everything else needs to wait. We can probably talk about it in the next episode because I am not, I am doing the uh, backup and transfer. Um, thankfully, once again, the setup process on Xbox is just amazing. You do everything from a phone. We talked about this a while back. You do everything from your iPhone. Uh, super easy. They also have this very easy uh, setting, settings page where you can say, I have another Xbox on my local network. I want you to move over my settings and let me uh, and and these games. And there's like a screen where hmm. you select the games that you want to move and you say, okay, transfer over the local network. Oh, and so nice. right now I have my Series S in the bedroom that's acting as the sort of the host. And the Series X is temporarily set up in the kitchen and it's moving data uh, wirelessly from the old Xbox Ooh. onto the new one. How how does it handle the um, plug-in drive, the one that you that I uh, will soon encourage discover. me to get? I have no idea, Shade. <laughs> that it's <laughs> on my list of I things to find out. I was hoping you just pull it out and plug it into the X. That would be amazing. But I would be really surprised if you could do that. What's on the drive? What do you actually have on it? Uh, Halo Master Chief Collection, I think. Don't don't transfer those games. Just to see if the drive will pick them up. Good point. I'm going to try that. That will be good follow-up. I bet it doesn't work. We'll see. I, I And I think it will. i tell so, you why I think it won't work. Because of DRM I bet when stuff. they're downloaded to a console, there's some kind of like exchange that occurs. And it's like, this game is now registered for this serial number. But what if it's registered to your Xbox account? That would yeah. be the way you would want it to happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. But we're, um, we're kind of slightly dubious about it actually happening that way. It's yeah. like, it. Yes, Federico, what you've said makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it's not what I think is going to happen. Wouldn't it be great if it worked that way? If it worked, it would be amazing. Let me know. <laughs> but I do not think that's the case. I'm going to try that. And on a final note, because again, I literally was only able to play with it for like 20 minutes. Yeah, but I will say this: it's much smaller than I was expecting. Like it, it it's not like like I was I was honestly expecting like a mini fridge. Well, because <laughs> they not. keep doing mini fridges. It it's it was big until we saw the PlayStation Five. Yes, right? it's like, it's but 
it is a one heavy piece of electronics. Oh, like dense, it's, huh? Pretty, it's like pretty very dense. dense. Mm. It is very dense. Hmm. Uh, but it's also super quiet. So you never actually hear the fan. Like the whole top part of the console, you know, all those holes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a giant fan, basically. Yeah. And you can hear like the subtle humming of the fan if you put your ear close to it. But otherwise, it's totally quiet. Um, the PS5, it's it's a lot more noisier. Well, I want to know. I want to know how quiet it is under full load, though, right? Like yeah. if you're playing. So, so really, what seems to have happened here is I bet something that's going to happen to a lot of people um, is that they have an S, and there's a game that they want. Yeah. And they play that game or the demo, and they're like, "This isn't what I want." <laughs> And then they yeah. get an X. Because this is what's happened, right? It's not like the only thing that's changed is you played a game that was graphically intensive and had FOMO because you couldn't get the best out of it. Yeah. It's genius from Microsoft. I mean, it's a great way to yeah. sell a lot of consoles. And <laughs> yeah. if anything, I honestly think that Microsoft should either acquire or in any case really... They, they must love the Digital Foundry guys because their technical analysis, the way that they show you like the side-by-side comparison of like, here's what you get on the S and here's what you get on the X. Oh, they do love them. I mean, Digital Foundry were one of the two outlets that got that super special come and see yes. us before anybody else thing. Yeah. So. No, but really that video comparison of Prey, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm sold, I guess. Um, so yeah. That's that's the surprise that I was keeping from you both. And what are you gonna do with the S? I'm gonna sell it. I think it's gonna be pretty. I easy think you to should sell it. Sell it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, it's not yeah. gonna be hard to sell it, right? Like you no, could probably no. sell it and not really lose that much money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have the original box and everything, so it should be pretty easy. But I'm gonna sell it. No reason to keep it. Yeah. Um, and as for the games that I've been playing, Final Fantasy VII Remake, I'm over halfway through the game. I'm 21, 22 hours into it. So I am going to finish it. I think there's only like 15 or something hours left. Um, beautiful game. I honestly don't know what else I can say about it. It's it's what I imagined as a kid this game would look like uh, in, in a future where this game would get remade. It's the lin- there's some linearity to it, but it's also much better than Final Fantasy 13, for example, where in Final Fantasy 13, this game seven remake owes a lot to 13 in terms of like the the, the battle system, for example. Uh, it also owes a lot to Final Fantasy 15, which took a more of an open world approach. Um, in 13, you really do feel like you're walking down a hallway most of the time. Mm. Like there's only one path you can go. And in Seven Remake, they do have they have towns and you have side quests. So I can I kind of dig that. But obviously, Square Enix is doing the is doing Final Fantasy VII Remake as a as a chapter um, type of game. Mm-hmm. It's like episodic game. So the first part of the remake is only set in Midgar, which is the original city. You never, you cannot leave Midgar. So you never see the overworld. You never see the world map. You don't see anything. So are they going to be? Is are the other chapters DLC? Well, they are no. So they are going to do one DLC to add one character, Yuffie, 
which it's kind of weird because in the original game, Yuffie doesn't come to Midgar. So I feel like they just felt like, well, we have Midgar, so let's just have Yuffie come to Midgar for some reason. Um, but they said in an interview yesterday, they said, we are not going to do more DLCs. Uh, after the DLC in June, uh, our focus now is completely on uh, episode two. Right, but that's so, going to be a full-on new game. It's going to be a full-on new game. I know that they out. stretched it out, so like you, you get a lot for that first chapter. Yeah. It's basically an entire Final Fantasy game. It's exactly. my understanding. Well, okay. it's it's uh, yeah, probably less than a typical Final Fantasy game, but it's still like a 40-50 hour game. So it is a full game. And on the stretching out part, very good point, because I wanted to mention that how there's some instances where knowing the original game, I feel like they added some stuff just to have more content. Yeah. Just to it's like when when you're a kid and you need to, you know, you need to fill out a page in your essay and you're like, I'm gonna write real big or I'm gonna use a big font <laughs> to make I sure mean, that I can fill the page. It would kind of uh, suck though if they didn't do that. I, I feel exactly. like if it's like this was a game like 15, 20 years ago, uh, it's now four games. <laughs> like, whoa, hang on a minute. <laughs> yeah. What's going yeah. on here? <laughs> yeah. And I also, something that I just played through today, which I know was the case because I remember this from the reviews last year. So there's one part in Final Fantasy, there's a very weird part in the original Final Fantasy VII where you need to go to this um, local boss's mansion, this Don Corneo, uh, and you need to audition as a potential bride for Don Corneo. And in the original game, there's this strange part where you, you as Cloud, the male protagonist of the game, you need to dress up as a female. And at the time, you know, obviously in 1997, Everybody thought, oh, this is so weird. Why is Cloud dressing up as a woman? You know, different mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. And I really like the way that Square Enix um, addressed this in, in the remake, where the, you know, throughout the course of the story, the character that convinces you to, to dress up as a female and sort of uh, infiltrate the boss's mansion tells you, you basically something along the lines of, you shouldn't be concerned about this because beauty goes beyond gender. And I thought that was a really nice touch, sort of address the modern wow. times of, you I know... Mean, the, that, that doesn't that, seem very Square Enix to me, so like, I'm pleased that they did that. I'm very pleased and I yeah. thought they, they handled it in a very thoughtful way and I yeah. thought that was really well done. Well, because they used a moment like that to educate. Exactly. Which is actually kind of nice. They, they could have had this big ironic or comedic moment, but instead they were like, no, you know, this is actually fine and mm-hmm. you shouldn't be, uh, you know, you shouldn't be embarrassed or anything. This is totally normal. And I thought, yeah, that was that was actually pretty cool the way they did it. So, yeah, I'm having a great time uh, and I will, uh, I know that there's a mate, so I don't know what exactly, I know that the at the very ending of chapter one has a major change from the original. Yeah. Because a lot of people, I heard a lot of people say that Final Fantasy VII Remake makes the the ending makes you question what exactly should a remake be. Mm-hmm. I've heard this too. Where it's like it's you're kind of left to feel like, well, this isn't actually the same game. No. Of what it is, like mm-hmm. I have a theory of what it is. I don't know yet, so mm. I guess we'll revisit it at some point when I'm done. 
But I actually think, again, not really knowing the game, not having the emotional attachment to it, I actually think it's kind of clever to do it that way. I I don't think every remake has to be a faithful reinterpretation of the game that came before it. What if you could tell the same story, you know, in 2020? 2020, Yeah. You know, with a different world, a different, you know, different society. Like, what would you change? And I think it's a really clever thing to do. Yes. Yeah, I do too. We've all been playing Bowser's Fury a little bit, right? Yes. I haven't yet. Okay, so you just bought the Steelbook version and you've you yet to well, play it. <laughs> here's, here's the thing. Okay. Right? Um, my son wanted it. Okay. But he's still playing Paper Mario. And uh, he's Origami doing, King? Yeah, and mm. he's doing, he's got into Origami. Mm. And he's like the Origami boss. That's awesome. I've even had to buy him some of the branded mario origami paper like three packets of the stuff yeah so basically it's origami paper but it's got the colors pre-applied for the characters oh my god that's fantastic oh that's amazing but the thing is the folds are really complex and he's really nailed the folds so when once he's finished them he's got all the characters from the game but basically the thing is because he's so into that it would if i were to bring this out and start playing it he would see it on the screen right because it's a family switch so he would see that we've got it and he'd want it immediately. So I can't hide it from him. Mm. And I don't want him to lose the fun that he's still having because he completely smashes games. Yeah. You know, he 100% everything he plays. So that's why I want to play. I'm desperate to play it, but I've got to wait until he's done with this. I've played a little bit like um, maybe the f- I did the first world and went to the second world. Mm. Me and Adina were playing together. Um, Super Mario 3D World is one of my favorite Mario games of all time. I think it's in like top three for me. Um, I just adored it the first time I played it. Uh, And what I actually really like now approaching it now is that the co-op is is full, right? So you can play as two characters in the same world at the same time. And I really appreciate that co-op. And I know that they also have, I believe, in the Bowser's Fury levels. I actually haven't done the Bowser's Fury part yet. Uh, I don't know how you do it. Like I, I just started playing the game, and it's like, I, how do you do the Bowser's Fury thing? But like, I just haven't bothered to do it. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to play it as much as I would have wanted to yet, but it is definitely something we're going to do. Because we moved on to Stardew Valley, because there was a huge update for Stardew Valley, with mm. an, a truly an impressive amount of stuff. Like I'll say, if you have played Stardew Valley and feel like you've got everything you want out of it, play the new update, because they added so much stuff, like it, more than they've ever added before for the game. So we moved on to Stardew. We'll come back to 3D World, but Stardew, like Adina, just adores it. So I wanted to... She'd been waiting for the update, so we wanted to play some of that together. And... uh but 3D World is is just so so much fun. But I haven't done any of the Bowser's Fury stuff. Have you, Federico? Have you actually played the Bowser's Fury levels? Yeah, yeah. And I I really enjoy how the there's a lot of diversity in each um in these little words, right? It reminds me of Mario Galaxy in okay. a way, where it's obviously different because this is an open world game, and so you have this. Uh, beach and you have all these different islands connected to each other but i love the variety that you get just by going from one island to another mm-hmm. uh sort of this microcosm of of you know different uh structures different enemies for example so is it and, like a separate part of the game uh bowser's fury yeah 
Uh, it's like a separate game. Right. So I, I've just missed it when I started playing because we've gone right into... But I would assume because we played the first world and a half in just one sitting. I imagine if I yeah, now yeah. turn the system on again, I would probably be able to choose, right? But I think when you turn it on for the first time, it just puts you into 3D world and you just start playing that. It's a totally separate game right, with okay. a totally different story. Cool. And there's Bowser's Jr. helping you all to basically save his father who's a fallen victim of this sort of spell that made him like a giant Godzilla-like yeah. figure. So, yeah. But, yeah, I had a good time. I think it's a really cool game, and I would love Nintendo to continue to explore this sort of approach, um, which, you know, Mario Odyssey is considered like an open-world game to the sense that, in the sense that you have these giant areas and you can collect multiple, um, what is it, like moons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would like to actually have some kind of open world where you, like in like a bigger versions of Bowser's Fury, I think would be interesting in a main series Mario game. Shahid, what what else have you been playing? And if not, uh, your favorite character? Well, uh, that is a very good question. I actually started playing, and I know this is going to surprise you immensely, uh, but probably not that much because you've both probably seen the show notes. But I actually started playing Final Fantasy VII Remake. <laughs> okay. And nobody okay. is more surprised than me. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but I had to stop. Have you played Final actually... Fantasy before? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I actually bought seven on um playstation one back in the day i've never played a final fantasy game yeah well i didn't play that one either i mean i spent my 40 (laughs) quid on it stuck it in the playstation thought this isn't for me listen i have spent maybe a hundred thousand pounds in my life plus Mm -hmm. on video games of which i can assure you ninety five thousand pounds has been wasted (laughs) because because i know what i like yeah and you know, I, I play like an A&R man, which is a curse. Yeah. You know, I don't get to enjoy games as much as other people because for me, it's been a profession and um, uh, an area of criticism for a long time. It's very hard for me to enjoy stuff. My threshold for being disarmed by a video game is extremely high. You tend to bounce off pretty quickly. Yeah, sometimes in seconds. I'm ruthless. So, you know, you've you got to do a lot to please me. Uh, obviously, a lot of the Nintendo games do that. But then there are other surprises as well. But I thought, you know what, let's let's do a little bit of research. Seeing as we, in other uh, podcasts on the Relay Network, much has been made of the M1 chip. I thought, hold on a minute. Let's have a look at what Apple Arcade is doing with this. And they do have a section for the Mac, which I know is a tiny subset of a yeah. subset. Uh, I can imagine less than 1% of 1% of the gaming audience is interested. But there was a section that said, these Apple Arcade games are optimized for the M1. So I tried a few of them, and uh, I was not impressed. There seemed to be no reason for them to be optimized in the first place, seeing as they seem to be very much mobile-focused. But the one that I played, so I, I won't mention the the ones that were optimized for M1 that I played and didn't think much of. But I imagine most of them are just Apple Arcade games anyway, right? They are, but yeah. the thing is, if if you're going to run them on the Mac may as well at least upscale the textures a bit, you know, don't make them look like they're designed for a 5.8-inch yeah. screen or whatever. Um, but I, I won't name them. But the one game that I played that wasn't optimized for M1, or rather certainly wasn't in that list, was Alba, A Wildlife Adventure, which I thought was totally charming. I mean, all right, let's put aside the fact that might as well not be a game for the most part, because, you know, you are just 
following instructions. You're doing this, tick that off, do that. It's just beautiful. It's a charming little story. Um, really gentle, really, really made you feel relaxed. Mm-hmm. And you could step away from the idea of, oh, well, I got to kill this. I got to smash that. I got to survive, you know, out of the whole fight or flight mindset and into the, oh, oh, that that animal needs saving. Oh, that's interesting. I haven't seen that before. You know, I I guess um, in some way, a very, very small scale reproduction of some of the feeling that Animal Crossing gave a lot of people, you know, just a very inoffensive, beautiful, charming game made by us too. So not surprised. I had a look at Valheim as well on the PC. Uh, Played that for a bit. That's really nice. I'm looking forward to leveling up my ability in that, which is, I have to say, extremely low at the moment. Is this one of the many, many Viking games that for some reason have all seemed to happen at once? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Here's the thing. This This is number one in Steam (laughs) at the moment. Okay. It's made by a team of five people, I think. And has sold over five million copies. Jesus, at, yep. at mid price, it's, it's the hot it's 15 new thing quid. right now, Mike. Huh? I don't know how I've, I've missed this one. I don't know how I've missed yep. this one. The thing is, it's co-op. So I convinced a couple of friends to to buy it, and it was very unlikely, unlike me. But I didn't actually buy it, and I made them buy it. And then eventually I felt guilty. I thought, I really should buy this. Because the thing is, they were giving me early feedback saying, no, no, you won't like this. This is not your sort of game. And I consider that a challenge. So I did. How dare you? (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right. I bought it. Um, And once I've played it a bit more, I think I'm going to try that co-op with some people. It's just, you know, you've got this procedurally generated island. It's got a kind of low poly look, but still manages to look beautiful. You're crafting. Um, and then you've got to go into battle at some point. Of, of course, course you're crafting. You it's a PC game, yeah. you know? you got to have that. Uh, what else? That's it, really. Um, there's a few games. I found it harder to play on the PlayStation recently because of my uh, issues, my ongoing issues with my wrist. God, we're so old, me and you. Like, this is just, this is just old man's video club. Video yeah, old man's club, video right? club. Jesus. It's terrible, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, it's terrible. I apologize to remaster listeners that we're too decrepit to play video games. We're the ones needing remastering, that's for <laughs> sure. Just, Federico is over there doing it for all of us. He's buying I got you guys. I got, I, got, I got you guys. I'm, my hands are fine. I play lots of video games. Strong I'm not old and decrepit like these two. I'm fine. <laughs> fine. But you, you know what's funny? My friends at PlayStation will hate me for this, but I got the Quervain syndrome in my left hand, right? Mm-hmm. And what that means is, I get immense pain when I press down with the left thumb or press out with the left thumb. I'm not sure what the technical terms are for it, but basically using my left thumb is agony. So I actually find using the PS5 controller, the DualSense, really painful now. But the Xbox controller, think about where the stick sits in relation to the left thumb. The left thumb doesn't have to move too far away from where it's normally positioned. And I find that more comfortable. It's bizarre. The Xbox controller is a more comfortable controller. I, I, is it I for you as well? Oh, I found that for years. Because it didn't used to be for me until I got this issue. Mm, yeah, I kind of, over the last few years, have really not preferred the, the PlayStation controller. I, I don't think it's as, as uh, comfortable ergonomically. I like controllers that are a bit chunkier in their design, like the Pro mm. controller, like the Xbox controller. 
Federico, where do you sit on this now, controller-wise? Uh, I prefer the shape of the Xbox controller, mm-hmm. but I dislike the buttons. I prefer the feel of the DualSense buttons, so the triangle, square, circle, and X. Mm-hmm. I dislike the look, like the plastic look and the clicky sound of the Xbox buttons. And obviously, like the DualSense, the haptics are so much better than the star- standard vibration. But overall, like the way that my hands grip the controller, I think the Xbox One is the ideal shape. 